Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. By size, we receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting and emailing us for discussion and wanting more information. Today, I'm joined by a guest, football coach Jarrell Pascal. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us more about obviously your experiences in football, who you've worked for, and obviously your roles and responsibilities? Right. So, um, as I've been introduced, my name is Gerard Pascal. I work for WLXL Academy for Tottenham Hotspurs Women. Um, I've worked previously for community and development at Chelsea and doing community and bits of development at QPR. Um, I've worked with many of different ages, all the way from young, all the way up to 21s. Um, I've also done work with... Uh, teams in Norway, sorry, as well, when they've come over as well. And, um, you know, again, I've done the hard graft through the community trust all the way to development and now into the academy. Cool. Is So, like, obviously, I know we spoke, obviously, off-air just before, obviously, beginning. And um, when I decided, obviously, I wanted to have this conversation with you, I didn't even take into account, um, obviously, your experience, obviously, in women's football. So we can probably get into that in some way, shape, or form during the podcast, obviously, with some of the questions I got. But the reason why, obviously, I brought you onto the co- podcast was that I was having a conversation with a friend who works in a school, and he called me in regards to having an eight-year-old who is currently at... Um, I'll say the club is not really a big deal for me. He's currently at um, a Chelsea development scheme. This guy has recommended players to clubs previously, including myself, when I was at Fulham Football Club, to which obviously this kid actually signed. And he's recommended other players to professional football clubs to which they have signed as well. Now, when in my conversation with him, he was like, this kid is currently at Chelsea in terms of the development scheme or certainly the elite system, but he doesn't believe he's actually good enough to sign for Chelsea, which is not a problem, but he believes he's good enough to sign for another club outside, obviously, those top three, four clubs, obviously, in London. So you're talking about the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, probably uh, Spurs, sorry, and probably West Ham. But he believes that other clubs, obviously within London, that he believes this kid is definitely good to, good enough to sign for. And then so obviously he gave me a call and asked me, did I know anyone who might be potentially interested in obviously looking at the kid? I gave him obviously one or two people to contact, to which the conversation took a turn as to, yeah, of course, he'd be happy to obviously recommend him to the club that he's currently working for, but the kid will need to come through his scheme first in that the kid will need to train and play with him before he can recommend him to the professional football club. And wow. again, that's not necessarily a problem as to... Like, I kind of thought about it from my perspective, obviously, when I was running independent, independent academies and in that I felt sometimes it's good to have a, look, have a look at the kid in your environment before you send him off to obviously a professional football club. Get a good look at the kid before you send him off. It's good to take information and recommendation from other people but ultimately it's your name on the line when you're sending that kid into the professional football club but obviously if this person has recommended several players to you previously and you know they're of the of the quality you can probably vouch for his for what he has said but my point being is he also he this this person ultimately wanted to charge this kid before he actually sent him into the scheme now i've had like guests from Italy on the podcast and other parts of the world who have provided insight as to football, where they're from and countries to which obviously they, they've worked and visited. Today, obviously, I want to discuss a few things, but I want to highlight that football has become, sorry, 
I want to highlight that becoming a professional footballer has come with a premium. Even as young as eight years old, there's a charge. So I want to discuss the importance of football in the community. So I guess my first question is, can, do you care to explain the importance of football in the community? Well, well, football in the community is a very important thing, I think, personally, myself, because it gives a platform for an individual, whether it's boy or girl, to be able to show their qualities, to show what they've got about themselves. Now, the community is, again, another chance for them to really express themselves, feel comfortable in a different environment. You know, it's not a school environment. It's not at home. It's an environment where there's many other kids who want to play football, enjoy the game that we enjoy. And, you know, I think it's essential that the community and football work hand in hand. But what you just discussed just now is, like you said, it's not a bad thing from independent um, companies looking at someone beforehand, but you have to aware, be aware where they come from. Because, again, within that community, you don't know what their social background are, you know, you don't know what cultures and everything else, the finer details of that person. But that's what the community finds out when you're, especially if you're a community coach, you get to have that constant continuity with that child. If that makes sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. So you can build a, a relationship. Do you know what I mean? Especially, you know, like myself, many of the kids I've coached in the community, I've come from similar background. So I can relate to them. So if I take them, you know, if I took a kid to a club or an independent um, club, um, sometimes that translation gets lost because they haven't really lived sometimes the similar lifestyles that person on depends on the coach again. It does depend on the coach, but I'm just saying in general, sometimes it could be from a male, from a, you know, middle class, where this child is from a very poor background. And, you know, it's not he's misbehaving. It's just, there's not a true understanding. Yeah. So I think the community side of it is very vital for myself. That's what I believe. Because the impact you make on that child or that future player. You make, you, obviously you raise a number of good points and like, Essentially, what I was trying to get to—sorry, essentially, what I was trying to get to with what I was saying prior was this: this kid can't afford to play for your for your club. So obviously, yeah. we're coming off obviously we're coming off the back of a, a half-term week, to which there's loads of half-term camps, or there would be half-term camps. And I think there was a costing of so there's a costing of about say eighty pound to this camp. Yeah. The coach, the person who um, was working in the school, told me this kid can't afford that, and like. This kid is of the level when this kid should be playing at a professional football club or should be given the opportunity to trial mm-hmm. at a professional football club. But then now, now there are there are costs attached to it. It's not a case of once upon a time, um, you, were, you when we were younger, 15, 16, or even younger than that, if you were seen playing at, in football in the community or seen playing for your Sunday league side, you're taken from your Sunday league side to go on trial at the, this professional football club. Now there's almost like a conduit. There's an in-between. There's a buffer. And you have to go... Mm. And unfortunately... You have to go through that buffer before you can get to that professional football club. And there are several reasons why I believe that is. A, because football has now become commercial by way of by way of it being a business. But at the same time, which might be, it's not a controversial point, I'm unsure the kids are good enough to go directly from 
playing for Sunday League sides straight into professional football clubs because now they need to be polished maybe a little bit more before they go into a professional football club. That's either fortunate or unfortunate. I'm not too sure. But I guess my next question is, what is the difference between football in the community and these independent clubs? Right. Just before we get on this next question, when you said about the premium, it's so true. But then I guess it's like, it's like Formula One, you know? A lot of the kids, what does that kind of sport, racing sport, yeah. have to pay so much, so, so much to get their cars and everything. And most of them need sponsors. Again, it's same like golf. Golf is not a cheap sport as you get older. So, like you said, where football is a little bit more free, you get, if some, someone saw you in a park or playing on a Sunday league, you kind of get in. And like you say, they might not be good enough, maybe because we've got a lot more fathers or people who think they want to be coaches and not getting help themselves. So they're kind of throwing, we're kind of throwing in coaches without the right tools to coach of the kids tomorrow. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the difference between the independent and the community, now some independents, what I've noticed, charges ridiculous amount of money and it's not realistic because they're not realistic for the kids' background. And that's why I'm talking about the diversity. You know, not every kid could pay, like you say, £80 to go to a soccer school. But, you know, some communities, schemes, um, whether they're from clubs or private, if they notice that this kid's got potential, and I've seen it, they do kind of take the money off. Where some of these independents, well, this is my brand, this is my logo, this is what we're about, we're up there. If you don't match it, you can't, you can't be part of it. And I feel that's really... That that's not what football was all about. Football's a working man's sport. It's always been for, you know, everyone. You know, yourself, you see it in the park, get a couple of bags, get a football, you play. And again, I think some community um, industries um, or clubs are kind of following in the independent. And I don't, I don't find a lot of the independent are looking out for the community. They're looking out for either their pocket or... Again, reputation, like you said earlier. So, you know, and I understand that reputation because, you know, the better reputation, the more, well, hopefully more quality comes through and more numbers. But it just seems like a numbers game. And I think what I've also witnessed is a lot of over quality, it is about the quantity because the quantity is what sell. You know, if I could have... And this either community or independent, you know, private or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what sector. I've seen them and there's like 20, 40 kids, but the quality is not there. You can see this kid messing around. This kid can't do a chop properly. But, you know, and I've seen one or two where they keep their numbers down, bring the cost down and they're getting more, more out of it. And they're probably turning over better kids, but they're getting lost to the system because they have no platform to place them anywhere because they're not as big as that independent or private company or that big charity. They're doing it for the love of the game. So, you know, it's, it, I, I like to say it swings and roundabouts, but it ain't. It ain't. It really ain't. That's a, that like, that, that, I don't even know if that's another conversation because um, having, like, having, like, been a part of an independent academy essentially my whole time, in football, I've always sat on that side of the fence and I've never really been involved in football in the community. 
And it's only in, it's only since that I've taken a step back from the game, and I had this conversation also with my friend as to this eight year old, that I thought to myself, actually, I really want to kind of address this this conversation at this point now. Mind you, obviously, yeah. I've been aware of it prior, but I mean, I thought to myself, actually, I want to have a wider conversation because, truth be told, there are a number of kids who are very very talented who are being priced out of the game, and that should never mm-hmm. ever be the case. And very slowly. And I know this obviously this is in one of my questions, obviously later on, it's slowly not becoming a working class sport. And that is no. for me very, very sad. And that is where my appreciation obviously for um, schemes and things such as charities and football in the community has increased. But to my next question, mm-hmm. having been part of a football club or being part of a football club, can you explain the link you provide between football in the community and the actual academy? Because I know this sometimes right. can be quite controversial and difficult. Right. Okay. So, um, I could talk about my previous place as well. But so, with QPR, um, I thought they did pretty well in that sense. Yeah. They had a real good system to get through. Um, although, within that system, I feel like, again, certain players are lost in the game because it's either they haven't given enough probably to the coaches to to bridge the gap from, you know, a community coach to an academy coach. Although, we, you know, people get their badges, some people don't really understand. They're worlds apart, you know. The, the technical information from academy, you know, yourself, you know, are, are, are very priceless compared to, a community coach, what is generic information? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you know, you know, sometimes it can be lost. That player could be lost because of Jesus haven't got enough tools in their locker. You know, um, just simple things of when you approach academy coach, um, your mannerism and stuff like that, or even down to just doing simple turns or the right technique. But I felt when I was working at QPR, they had a good stepping stone. Now, but although they had a good stepping stone, I did also thought, going back to the questions earlier, that some kids probably were still priced out, even though their prices are not as expensive as other community trusts and other clubs, you know? And what they did really well is that some of the kids what did get priced out, they kind of helped them to at least get them on board. And then gave them some form of platform to step forward. And it's down to them now to do the rest. Um, but not every club's got the same. You know, I've heard from many other friends and other sources that, you know, community trust is left and the academy is right. They don't know each other. They don't see each other. There's literally a whole night and day between both of them. Worlds I agree. apart. I agree. I'm um, but I find probably the smaller clubs, and I hate to say that, sorry to disrespect any club, um, the, if you want to say lesser clubs, are probably doing it a little bit more better than the clubs who are in high divisions because the turnover is so great. If I see if I see someone with a badge, you know, you think automatically, I'll go in the community scheme, I'll get an academy. But that's not always the case. The reason why you're not going to get an academy is because the academy and the community has no contact unless there's a festival going on and academy co- coaches walk by, you know, and said, oh, he's decent, or she's decent, and then they take him over. And then 
well, that doesn't help the other 50 kids who are not bad as well. It's just maybe haven't had the same, look, you know, visual presence. So, but then there is some clubs who are doing that because they know it's harder to buy players or, you know, that's the, that's the only format they have to introduce players. Um, but there's not many doing it. And I have to say, and I guess that's why the independent clubs are probably, or independent academies, I'll probably have success because they're probably that middleman somehow between yeah. the community and the, and the academies. Correct. And it's become so apparent now these days. You know, um, um, look at Pro Direct. You know, yeah. for example, they do showcases everywhere against every club because they got the likes of Michael Adidas backing them. So you know, if I'm a kid, uh, I go to, you know, if they want. To, to come to my scheme and I said we're, we're a community scheme we, we'll try and just play games around local teams and stuff and hopefully scouts will you know we try and get you to play against academy team yeah that's cool but you know and it might be cheaper but because this has got a badge everyone knows what program is we buy our trainers we buy our football boots buy our kits from there they've got Nike they've got Adidas they've got Under Armour they've got so many other platforms with them and sponsors I'm willing to pay now, which would have been the committee scheme for £20, for example. I'm willing to pay £100 to get in another £300 for the kit, another so on and so on and so on, yeah. because I believe they're going to put me in a place of, of opportunity against the academy. But some of the coaches are no better than the community coaches. Correct. So, you know, again... And then, again, we're talking about getting lost in the system. We're talking about not enough quality for the players, for them. And, again, it becomes like, you know, again, Sunday League with their dad there coaching the team. And it's, you know, we're in that same cycle again. But, as I said, the independent and then private ones are getting the joys now because the, the community and academy is so vast, whether you're in a club or uh, independent via club and community scheme. So I guess they got in the gap of the market, I guess. Yeah, I guess they did. I mean, yeah. I mean, 110%, there is a place for independent academies. I guess our point and and what we're trying to say is there's now become a premium attached to becoming a footballer, which is quite sad um, when you think about it. Um, Moving on to my next question, but as to the same type of subject, what would happen if football in the community ceased to exist? And that's off the back of what you said as to sometimes in some clubs, the football, commu- football in the community is left and the academy is right. And places where I've worked, that is 110% been the case. Like, they're almost like they were another group of individuals. And I'll be honest, they were frowned upon. Mm. And yeah. it was very sad. It's only, it only through maturity that I've understood, even that I've understood, I've always treated people with respect, yeah. but it's through experiences that I realised, actually, no, you need them, or they're needed in the club. Yeah. But to my question, what would happen if football in the community ceased to exist? You've raised a good point, what you just said there, um, when you see, like, the undermining. Yeah. Um, just to, before I get into the main part of the question, um, I've come from the community side, and I've been fortunate to climb my way up and to be where I am now. But, I'm also fortunate that I was good enough to be kind of considered like an academy coach because I put in the hard work, I showed the levels. But again, I've seen that 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. Might have his badges, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, you know, from the community side, oh, he thinks he's big time because he's in the academy. You know, and there's no, there's no friendliness about it. It's really hostile. It's a really hostile environment between the two when the two should be working together. Now, going to your actual question, if community sees they exist, what would be what would be the end of it? There won't be an end of it. It just means the premiums go higher. That's what it would mean. Yeah. It would just mean it would just mean that someone like myself who is doing a community scheme, for example, and someone who's doing an independent, and if I stop doing it, it just means all the kids that I probably kept, kept off the streets were who are what we call ballers, um, won't have a platform. So they go back to the streets because they can't pay, you know, the entry fee or, or you know, they, they can't pay for that um, trial date or whatever, however these people do their platform because many of them do it all different ways. Some of them do free trials, some of them do, you have to do a cost. So I just guess the premium just goes up and up and up and up. And then the numbers of players that we lose because it's just would be dramatic. The other side to it as well that I would find that, like you said earlier about, and I said about the working class game, that it that would cease to exist completely, because the whole idea of the community is to bring the bridge from football back to the community. You know, all these fans and like you and me, myself. Um, we love the game, you know. You know, we probably even sit in the park and watch a bunch of kids play football yeah. because we love the game. But at the same time, if that's taken away from them, then you know, you you kind of just you're, you're you're making a market where it's just like Apple versus Microsoft. 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and no one else is getting in there. No one's getting in there. So you need the community, whether it's from a club or even. If it is from these private companies or, or or councils, you need them because how many? How can I ask you a question quickly? Yes. Before you? How many kids that you probably have gone across over the years that weren't really great at football, but because they've been in these little community schemes themselves, they've found a love for the game and gone out and seek further education in football, or maybe go and get their coaching badges. How, have you witnessed that yourself? I, I definitely, I think there's a number of individuals who are not necessarily gifted or talented at football, but because they've enjoyed the environment and enjoyed potentially the coaching, maybe that personality. So they might have come across yourself um, in the footballer community um, at, at QPR and really enjoyed the session and you as a person and a personality. And as a result, would like to actually get involved in what you do and become a coach. Those type of um, scenarios do exist. They definitely um, exist. And I do believe, obviously, if football in the community did cease to exist, then those type of figures, because truth be told, people like yourself who are involved in football in the community, you're mentors, whether you, not whether you like it or not, but you are mentors. I know you're definitely a mentor as well. 100%. I mean, I've, I've come across kids that, you know, I've coached younger. Suddenly, you know, I see them in years come by and, you know, just the little things where they come... Like I said about shaking hands, you know, I, I was a, always a big believer in that when I got into football, that, you know, you show that respect. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a common thing, really. It should yeah. be, anyway. And, you know, you greet someone, eye contact, shake their hands. And how many boys I've met over the years has come back to me and I've met them on the street and, you know, 
they're still playing football uh, or they've gone into men's football, whatever it's semi-pro, Saturday football, Sunday football, you know, even if it's a five-a-side power league with their mates, they're still involved in football because of the community. Whereas if they didn't have that, they'd probably be stealing, knife crime, whatever else, all sorts of nonsense. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm so, saying. and that's where that's where the community platform is so vital. Even if it's not, we're not producing the next Wayne Rooney, Harry Kane. You know, the whole idea of football is to keep you in football. I always got told, play football as long as your body allows you, because the moment you leave it, you're gonna you're gonna realize how much you missed the game. And you know, and you know, I, I don't know the figures myself personally, but the amount of men what goes into football and carries on is really high still. But then if you look at, because obviously I'm in women's football, if you look at women's football, the amount of women who's in sports alone, forget about football, sports alone, by the time they leave high school, there's like a good, what, 30% drops out. Time to get into college or university, another percentage drop out. They don't carry on afterwards. So do you see what I'm saying? That's how vital community football, because if you look at, what, the last 10 years, the growth of women's football. Look at the last six years, the impact of women's football. Maybe the last three years, the way the, you know, the, the WSL has grown. You see women's football everywhere. There's so many women's teams, community teams now because of it. So to answer that question, if it exists, forget about the males games. If you look at the females game, that wouldn't have grown without it. Do you know what I mean? So it's a hard, it's a hard, Hard yeah, line. so I mean, like, even yeah. away from the whole professional professional aspect as to kids potentially becoming professional footballers or accessing good coaching is a very, very good social social um, platform where kids can express themselves or they can socialise with other people. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Where they can meet mentors, individuals to well, which obviously they can bounce ideas off, have conversation. Yeah, it's a great social platform. So apart from the possibility of professional football clubs not actually developing players, there'll be a massive gap and vacuum as to, you know, the social engineering of individuals. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, for me, I mean, as I said, I've worked in that and I've seen, you know, some coaches that are probably not as great, but like you say, because they've got such mentoring skills, that kid is not causing trouble. And he gets the enjoyment and he's still playing, playing in his 20s to his 30s. And he will look back and tell his kid, yeah, I had this coach who gave me this. I wasn't the, the greatest footballer. I was never going to make it. But I still played football at a good enough level because he believed in me. He gave me something. He allowed me, you know. He didn't overcharge me 40, 30 quid yeah. just to do it, you know. It's, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's there for, isn't it, really, to keep what football's all about, you know? Just as with schools, like, is there a lack of resources for what you do or in football in the community? And do you think there's a lack of recognition for football in the community, for what it provides? Right. In schools, it's a bit hard, I reckon, anyway. And I don't talk about football alone. I think that's for any sport. Um, whether, I don't know, did it, is it due to funding enough? Is it because... The teachers are, especially PE teachers, are so generic that they don't actually have a specific sports set. You know, um, I can't really say that many teachers that I come across, whether high school or primary school, that a lot of them play 
at certain levels, let alone play the sport even now. I've met teachers who are PE teachers are not playing a sport. And I'm like, hold up, you should be at least playing something. Well, that's my, my theory anyway, behind it. Um, but again, resources is always going to be short because, you know, it's a shoestring budget, whether from the government or from the community program you've got or, you know, whoever's providing because you've got to think about equipment, then you've got to think about the overload of classes, then you've got to think about uh, what content you're giving them at any of it because uh, let's say breakfast club, lunchtime club and after school club, that's usually an hour and by then wasting certain minutes because they're getting changed and stuff like that, then you've got um, PE lessons and you know how much are you really giving back to them in them, these times? You know, I remember when I was in school, and same like yourself, probably when you were in primary school, um, PE wasn't an hour thing. It's usually two hours. Yeah. Solid two yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And I remember, again, back in primary school and high school, do you remember back in high school because the teachers we had? Yeah. That, um, um, we, we, we were lucky enough to have certain teachers who were no specific about certain sports who would actually go into details, do you know what I mean, about a specific sports. But not every kid is getting that now because, again, could that be because teachers are getting fast-tracked? Is that because the coaches are going into the school knowing that they're getting paid, these kids are running around, let them do their thing and carry on? So, again, it, 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 it makes it harder. It does make it harder. Um, but, you know, I, I guess... I, I can't put blames towards the school. I, I think it's there's a there's a blame in many different departments. And if I had to say do I have the answer, I don't really. I don't. That's the thing. No, I, my question was no. You've answered the question well, but my question was probably more specifically. You know, like at this moment in time, I think school, teachers are like in, sorry. In myself working in the school, I'm very aware teachers lack resources, or they will like more resources to be able to teach the. Yeah kids a lot better my question really was do you feel football in the community lacks resources as well because obviously in academy i'm not even funny you can go into the into the i don't want to say the cloakroom the the cupboard let's say and there's yeah. balls and bibs you know <laughs> yeah, right anyway. everywhere doesn't matter does it yeah I, yeah i've witnessed it myself and like you say you you know you know yourself as an educator but i guess all right so I'm going to break it down like this. As you as an educator, you probably wouldn't need as much resources because although you're an educator, on the outside as well, you've coached at a good level. So you know how to get around where get around certain things, you of know, course. because you've got that, you've already been educated in both sides of the platform where some of your fellow educators probably can't. Now, community are losing out because what I know, yeah, um, that there's a lot of people who's in charge of all these probably equipment, all the funding, and holding holding it back. Whether is it, you know, whether is it that they don't want to give it because they don't trust the staff, or is it that they want to keep it and do something else with it? I, I, I couldn't tell you, but I know I've seen it where you know coaches are coming in and they're struggling with you know seven balls, and they've got class of thirty. But yet you're meant to be doing a ball mastery or a <laughs> passing session, which is not going to happen. And then you've got lines. And then that same person 
he's going to get someone coming in to watch them, assess them, and you're like, well, yeah, you know, and you're saying he hasn't done a good job. You haven't given the resources to give him a good job. Do you know what I mean? Then I'm asking the school, and you've probably seen that, I'm asking the school now for equipment. So now what is in the basket for me now, coming from a community, to ask from the school now, when I should have the equipment anyway? So again, as I said, that's not just football. I think that's across all sports. But I find, also, though I'm a little bit contradictory what I'm saying, other sports are probably better prepared in their community because they haven't got a wider range of audience to deal with. You know, if a basketball come in, you don't really see them not have basketball, the cones, all what they need to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. A football coach come in, you need struggling to get enough balls, enough bibs. Now, that makes sense. Like, football is the country sport, but yet that coach is struggling and the basketball coach is quite easy. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Wait, just going back to my previous question, something um, um, and passed through my mind as you were speaking, as to whether, what would happen if football in the community ceased to exist? I remember I was working on a community scheme several years ago and I was brought in to actually coach, coach the kids. When I arrived and I tried to put all my cones down, these kids were like, nah, we don't want to be coached. We want to play <laughs> ball. We want to play ball. And it took me a while to understand it. And I don't know why, really, because I wasn't too far removed from their age. But some kids actually just enjoyed the game. You know, it's just yeah. like some people don't enjoy playing football, but they really love watching it down the pub, you know, having a drink. And it's a massive, like, um, social... I don't want to say social opportunity, but it's a social, it's a social event. You know, people go down yeah. to the pub, they watch the game and they enjoy the game for what the game is. Very similar to football. Sometimes some people don't want to um, be coached to become a professional footballer or no. to play in a better side. They just want to play because they enjoy playing the game. So, yes, like, I know you answered it already, but just to add to or see the, um, what we discussed, you know, there'll be massive holes and, and gaping, there'll be, there'll be gaping holes if, Community can, I, can I give you an example? When I was at QPR, when we used to do kicks, we used to let them play a lot of games. And obviously, for the KPIs and all the facts and figures, you're getting lots of people coming through the door. It's brilliant. But realistically, we should be trying to give them something. Yeah. So obviously, we tried to change it to give them coaching. That fall flat on our face. Like you're saying, they just want to play the game. They just want to be around their friends. They actually want to see the coach to have the banter with and have that little laugh, that interaction. You know, they don't want to know about messy turns and, and 360s and stuff like that. They just want to play the game, have a laugh and enjoy it. And like, again, the vital thing that I think going on top of that, as I said about the community, you're taking kids away from mischievous nonsense and all what is going on in this world for at least an hour to you're making their life the, the most happiest place ever you know I, I me personally I don't feel I feel like anything that comes in my life is a stress but the moment I cross that line whether it's coaching whether it's playing I forget about everything Likewise. so you know and I know I'll go back into it afterwards <laughs> or yeah. whatever happens in the game but you know for that hour two 30 minutes 20 minutes doesn't matter what time scale it is I'm I'm in another world, another planet. So you know, so yeah. Well it said. Big... Well said. Um, next question for a lot of the questions, obviously that I'm asking. Although we're talking about the UK, my thoughts are 
about everywhere. There are places yeah. to which kids obviously can access free coaching, to which, which to which we discussed. But once you're of a level or want oh. to improve, there's a premium or a cost, which we've discussed. It's cool. It's business. I understand. I want to highlight, obviously, that football is potentially crossing a line, obviously, where it's no longer obviously a working class sport. Football is a bowl. As, as I mentioned before, I totally understand that. There's money in the game. Obviously, as, um, obviously with money in the game, people obviously lack of a better a better word or phrase people want their fair share but because of this and as a result there's exploitation whether it's clubs and i know they get the the um, the bad end of the stick but agents of, um in relation to exploitation yeah. and obviously when i wrote my notes i was specifically talking about things such as um, I don't know if you've watched um, maybe some of these programs where maybe in Africa or in other parts of the world where you've got loads of talented players or you've got a talented player and he may give an agent X amount of pounds to potentially get a trial somewhere in Europe. And that's the reason, obviously, why I wrote agents at the time. But I know, obviously, these circumstances don't just happen in Africa. These these things obviously take place all over the world. So they happen in the UK. So it's not just subject to Africa. They happen at, it happens absolutely everywhere. But my thoughts were with Africa, obviously, being obviously a... Uh, a Ghanaian podcast. What are your thoughts on this as to maybe how it makes you feel? But what are your thoughts on how to maybe change the dynamic of people taking advantage of other people in football? And I wrote something else attached to that. I know I've said a lot, but my thoughts when I wrote this were the big six, as in, you know, the, the new project they're, they're talking about as to yeah. um, either, um, sorry, the Liverpools, the Manchester United's, um, giving money to the EFL, et cetera, et cetera. But in turn, obviously, they'll have more control of the Premier League and obviously how it's run. And obviously, even away from that, potentially the European Super League, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. All of this obviously leading to what we, we a world we now live in, which is capitalism. Um, yeah. I know I've rambled on a bit and it may obviously, you may have lost the question, but what are your thoughts on <sighs> essentially the... Exploitation of the game and 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 it, and it leading towards or leaning on leaning towards a capitalism um, sport. I, I think exploiting the game is going to happen and it's going to continue happening. Personally, um, it, because the dynamics of the game keeps changing too rapidly. So the moment that you you really settled with one thing, another thing's happened. Um, I don't like it. I'd, if I had to be honest, because I don't feel like any of us should be exploited for that. It's like basically it's like modern day slavery kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have to pay you to find me somewhere because you know I want that platform. When realistically, I should be able to write to a club like you could back in the days. Yeah. And go through a trial. You know, I could send a video and hopefully that someone would look at it and take me on for a trial. Or they have trial days, but I guess again it. Dep- it depends on the club as well, because you have to think about a lot of clubs have changed their platform now. Again, and that's what I'm talking about, the the, the the dramatic change. I mean, look at Brentford alone. They don't really have an academy no more. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm sending it there. I mean, they've got a development thing going on, but they don't have an established academy. They got rid of it. So they've got a B team that travels around the world. Okay, that's brilliant. But at the same time, what about me? You know, if I'm that player... How do I get there? I have to get an agent. That's money already. Then I have to pay extra just to get him a trial on on, on Brentford's B team. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, you know, like we said earlier, if a scout, if you're playing in the park, 
a scout might be walking home. Bam, come to the trial. Or again, you play a Sunday league. So again, I, I reckon it's going to always going to keep happening because the, the, the way the infrastructure of football keeps changing dramatically and dramatically and dramatically. Like a lot more clubs now have got um, sister clubs now. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the owners are starting to buy a sister club. So if they can find a player, they find it within their own sister club and bring them over, which is probably more cost effective for them. But then again, it's it's another, that's, that's stopping me. That means now, you know, um, like Man City, how many have they got? They've got one in Australia and they've got New York in, in America, you know. So now yeah. I'm asking my agent, I might not get into Man City, but my agent now is willing to pay, I pay him, he might go, Right, go to New York, you might get seen, you might get over that way. Do you see what I mean? And I, yeah, I just I feel like you get exploited. I feel like the exploitation is going to keep going some way or another. To, to curb it, it comes down to the, the, the actual big clubs or all the clubs saying, this is not right. This is not what the game is about. But why would they want to change it if you as an agent who's my agent go up to and say, I've got this young talent from Brazil Okay, no one's seen him yet. He's really good. I could get you there early doors. Do you know what I mean? Now, you might get me six trials, but within those six trials, you know, you're, you, you, you're, you're benefiting from it because as soon as that, that I move over, it's your reputation's gone up and you probably get a percentage anyway from what the cut is. And if you notice, a lot more, I mean, I don't know how long it's been around, but a lot more third-party ownership is happening. It's only in England because we have a rule that, that allow it, that yeah. it can't happen over here. But if you look in Italy, it happens. Yeah. Uh, Portugal, obviously from Brazil and, and Argentina, already happens already. Yeah. So I guess the expectation's already there and it's going to carry on. Yeah, I mean, again, obviously, as you were speaking, I was thinking, and... Not that I didn't know this, but for as long as there's money in the game, there's always going to be individuals who are going to find a way to exploit the talent to an extent. And I don't want to say exploit the talent, but they're going to find a way to make money. So if they can buy part of a pay, buy part of a player, um, for example, I know the Carlos Tevez and the the Mascherano one is a is the one that is a, is a, is a great example because obviously they came to to West Ham, and obviously that's where the law was eradicated in some essence anyway because not yeah. many people knew too much about that and they know, got away with it practically nearly you know again? They, practically, they practically got away with it I mean although they had to pay a fine because Sheffield United but the whole thing behind that platform is that we never witnessed that before I didn't know about it till that came and you know that's that's already showing that these are two young talents all right, they're making an X amount of money. Who cares? But they've already been exploited. That they their value is not just on them. They are shares. <laughs> you know, they are they're like bitcoins. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I buy a little bit of that. You know, or or football index if you want to call it. You know, yeah. I buy a little bit of that, and then you have the rest. But I still want to keep a cut. You know, and and it's getting exploited everywhere. And eventually, unless. And I say the big clubs, maybe I'm talking about the wrong thing. Maybe it should have to be FIFA, UEFA, needs this, cut all this. But why would they want to cut it when there's so much money going around left, right and centre? I'm not trying to get into conspiracies, but, you know, there's, we, we all know what's been happening over the, the last couple of years of different managements, different players, different clubs getting involved in it. And 
you know, and that's that's kind of probably is sort of hindering back again to the community. Because yeah. everyone's trying to get a piece of this pie, trying to get a piece of this fast moving money. Because there's so much money in the game, you know. Back in the days you didn't needed money, you know, you was getting looking off again, community. You get look after community, like someone like George Best wouldn't need to buy have X amount of money because he goes to his local pub in Manchester who loves him. And say, look, I'll get you a drink or here's a drink on us. Good game last week. See you know what I mean? So but that's the community, that's that's the working man with the football again. Where now it's not like that. Would you see Marcus Rashford walking towards someone like that? Probably he probably would, but there won't be as many players like him probably would, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes a lot of sense. And um, um, as you mentioned before, it might not necessarily be the clubs. It, w- it might not necessarily be the clubs, but you know, the federations. Sorry, until basically those at the top of the tree, the federation and the clubs get hit or it affects them, it's not going to change. In this country, no it cha- in this country, it changed because essentially, yeah, a club was hit. So we're talking about Sheffield United, West Ham, but because it affected a club in a big way, and it was a lot of money because because obviously Sheffield United got relegated, that yeah. had to change. You know, yeah. and maybe until it affects maybe other people in a big way you know, it will remain the same. Um, yeah. I was going to say one more thing on it, sorry. Um, it's a little bit off track, but if you look at, the, as I said earlier, the, the, the movement of way football's going, if you think about from our time as being little, since 92 Premier League started, if you think about it, you had the Bosman ruling, you've got the free transfer now that you have to pay money for now. Yeah. Like, before you could have gone free anywhere. You know, imagine if you was a young player, you know, you did well. You could go anywhere. Now, if you go somewhere, there's a court finding. That could stop you going to that club. Do you know what I mean? Because of that court. That that, that sort of happened to Danny Inns, didn't it? Something like that. He didn't get to Liverpool because they had to pay a certain amount for his free transfer. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. as I said, there's a cut. So, there's an exploitation, and I don't like it. I don't... For me, personally, I don't like it because, you know, I'm appreciative of the game for what it is. And there's so much different things. There's so much more as well going on, but I could list them and it would be all here all day long. I've I've watched this um, mini documentary also on FIFA football, and I probably haven't looked into it deeply, and I probably will do after this, but obviously I've got a question that relates to it. FIFA football produced some content in 2019 regarding Brazil and why its league or competition wasn't as successful as its talents or exports. So you're talking about your Ronaldo's, your Rivaldo's, your Neymar's, etc., etc. I felt I found like the findings were quite interesting. Obviously, noting the lack of stability and continuity with promising youngsters leaving for leaving for Europe, and the players obviously returning obviously the later stages of their career after playing several years in, let's say, Europe. Yeah, this is probably like the same in Africa, and uh, with maybe let's say for example a Didier Drogba or a Samuel Eto'o is a very good example. He left for Madrid, Real Madrid, very young, and obviously made his way. He did his I don't want to say he did his rounds, but played for Mallorca and obviously then went to yeah. Barcelona. Um, so as I say, obviously this, this is the same in Africa and the same as with players being scouted at an early age here in the UK. And I, 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 that when I, when I wrote that down, it came like, it, it came at the moment. So I'd never really thought about it before. And the reason why I say, so, so let me kind of like rewind. So, Players from South America or Africa are leaving those places very young 
to find themselves or see at a professional football club where they're going to be given an opportunity. There's no different here taking place at this moment in time as to professional football clubs looking for kids as young as four and five years of age. The moment they see that kid has got an ounce of talent, they want to bring them into their fold so they can nurture them, improve them, coach them, and hopefully they will see return on them, whether they sell them on. Um, the Chelsea loan system is a very good example. Or they actually yeah. become part of the fabric of their of their football club and obviously become a first team player. Seeing that seeing that uh, an early part of the process in football in the community, what would your recommendation as to developing football in Brazil or Africa be as a result? It's hard to say, really, um, because you know a lot of them are coming over here because the leagues are generally more intense. Um, the competition is a lot more fierce across Europe. You know, it doesn't matter if it goes from England, you know, the top ones like England, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, or even down to as low as Holland, Scotland, you yeah. know, and all everywhere else, and um, Portugal and everything. I think, I think again, it might it might be down to corruption. It could be down to. Um, the lack of wealth and money. Again, you know, we know the Premier League is probably the wealthiest league in the world. Yes. If, if not, it is the wealthiest league in the world. Um, but again, that's because of the infrastructure, you know. Um, whereas somewhere like Brazil has got a lot of, you know, bit of politics, if you want to call it that yeah, way, yeah, in the yeah. politics terms. So that probably stops it. Um, again, I don't, I don't know how much influence that the governments or, again, the, the governing bodies does have it in their countries because I always find, like, in them kind of country, it's more, if we're going back to the questions earlier, more the community, if you want to put it that way. Not yeah. necessarily directly the community, but the community has more of a say than the, the actual federations. So I guess... You know, you know, everyone's looking for, to build their reputation and build on it. So that's why they go across. But I do think infrastructure needs to be improved in these places. And also, I also think that if it's not the infrastructure, it's definitely how to, to go about promoting their game. Because, I, you know, I don't mind watching a Brazilian game. I don't mind watching Argentinian football. But again, myself here, where do you get to watch it? I remember Channel 5 used to have it. Yeah, it did. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, Channel 5 used to have it. I mean, tell me an African African team do you get to watch? Is it from the African nations? I can tell you, you know? Again, so, you know, for them to, to build on their infrastructure in the league, the promotion's not out there, you know? Um, you know, if it's not out there, then... then then it gets lost in translation sort of thing. You Just know? to build on what you said, like I've always thought this, um, I probably, there's a number of things that I haven't, I haven't really said out loud. And um, one is linked to the question and one is not linked to the question. So I'll, I'll say both of them. So as to um, my question in general, like players are now leaving to go to Asia for money. We know that. And they come to Europe primarily obviously for A money, but at the same time, better competition. I've sat there and obviously with the forming of the European Super League, I've always believed this. I don't see why, particularly in maybe 
um, let's say, a region of Africa, so let's say West Africa, there are maybe, let's say there are 10 good clubs. I don't see why they don't form a, um, a West African football league. So your, 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 your national league can continue to take place. But let's say the best team in, the best two teams in Ghana, Nigeria, um, Sierra Leone, um, and blah, 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 come together and they form this one league as such and they make it work. You know, and you get a better, yeah. you get a better quality of football, and you get the opportunity to potentially broadcast this other parts of the world. Okay, right. So add on what you just said there, yeah. So think about this now, yeah. What you just said, and and you're totally right. I don't, I, I don't understand it myself, but it's the similar same thing. Why Celtic and Rangers is not coming down? Ah, oh, okay. do you Great. see what I mean? Yeah. So, so you know, although Wells and I mean Cardiff, Swansea, and Wrexham has done it, yeah. You know, you don't see no one from the Republic of Ireland coming over. Northern Ireland teams, uh, whether they're good or not, you know, I'm not here to dispute that. But you know, again, if we're saying if they are good, we know certain Rangers are good enough because they've got history. Why are they not coming down? Because again, Scotland are, in that sense, are proud, and probably all these nations are proud. They don't want to lose whatever they got hold on, but they're not seeing that the, the facts, and that's where if you look at the the Barcelona, the Dodgers, the Man United, whatever, who's doing the Super League, um, they're probably seeing it as that, well, we are good enough. We can do this. This would be the next evolution of football. Where some people are stuck in their ways, I think. So, you know, I, me personally, I don't understand it myself because, you know, if you look at the amount of quality of African footballers, yeah, we're talking about world-class, um, good. It doesn't matter what level. There's been so much what's coming to England alone. Forget about where they are, even in as far as Russia, where they're not even get liked over there, but they're still playing in there. Like you say, there's some in, uh, in Asia and stuff. And if you look at them platforms, you're thinking, hold up. If we can get so many turning over here, what's going on over there? But then you've got some clubs like Ajax. Ajax has got, they, they've got a sister club in, in South Africa. Now, if you're playing for that club, you can get cherry-picked. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. that, that league has lost out on its best player. You know? No, I totally understand. I and then now he's in Europe, in Holland. He might not be the best player there, but he's making a name for himself. So it's all good that that club's got a little bit of change and they've got the link and everything else, but you're damaging what them. You know, we, we, we talk about the World Club Cup, for example. If you think about the World Club Cup, I haven't seen no one in the World Cup, Cup final, apart from the South American team, what is the next competitive continent to Europe in that World Cup Cup final? No, so well said. Mm-hmm. I've not seen another 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 continent compete with the European club ever. I don't think in right, my lifetime, so, anyway. No, I don't remember. But you you might get the odd Mexican team there. But I'm thinking, hold up, why is there not an African team pushing on there? You know. Again, we could talk about even as far as international. Why is the African team, as far, apart from Ghana, has got as far as they have? Do you see what I'm saying? When you've got all this talent, ah, the reason why, yeah, they've got a good 11 or a good six players what's playing in Europe at the top level. The others are playing across Europe, maybe not at the top level, but the one or two are still from back home and are on the bench. They're not even going to get on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, again... You know, I mean, if you look at Brazil again, alone, 
how many players they turn over. And they've got players playing all over people for other teams in Europe. And that's what most of these Africans are doing now as well. They're starting to play for teams in Europe instead of playing for home. France has tons of them. But yeah. we're not talking about France alone. But I'm talking about from, you know, you've got players who are playing for Switzerland, um, Austria. It doesn't matter now because they want that recognition, that platform. And obviously they would go back. It's not that they wouldn't. It's because they haven't got that platform. So, you know, you're not going to have Etu who's going to go return back to Africa and play in one of them leagues. He's not going to do that. There's no money there. There's no there's no platform. There's no... He's not even going to get seen except from the people who watches it back home. So it's a crippling effect before we even started. I mean, how many Caribbeans... I mean, imagine if there was a Caribbean league. That'd be perfect. There's so many islands. You could jump to island to island, be like the cricket, but it's nowhere near like that, you know? You get all these English players who have got Caribbean parents going back and the odd Caribbean players who are playing. And that's it. And the ones who are Caribbean all playing in lower leagues. Majority of them. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And and, and again, how how do you expect to build on that if they're not getting a platform? Now, I don't know if that's down to coaching, because I know um uh John Barnes was doing stuff for the Jamaican team at, at one point, and um I've forgotten his name. Roberts, Jason Roberts. Roberts was doing things for Grenada, I think it is. Yeah. So, do you see what I mean? But again, they're trying to do it, but if they're not getting support, these infrastructures won't grow. If you look at the J League, that's growing. Why? Because they're getting all the X or and the, and the MLS. Why they're growing? Because they're getting all the X um, retiring players with their current players, and they're turning over their current players. And keeping them there. There's only the few what goes across to Europe. Do you see what I'm saying? That's a good example. That's a great example. So a lot of my thoughts as to this is that a transition actually needs to take place. As to, I mean, so so let me let let me not let me even start again. So um, you raised Barcelona. So I heard Barcelona, and I heard someone um, reference this in regards to Barcelona and Real Madrid. So the the truth, the fact of the matter is, the Premier League is the highest-grossing league in the world. Now, in order to compete with that. There needs to be a European Super League in order for Barcelona and Real Madrid to make a bit more money, as well as other professional football clubs too. So your Paris Saint-Germain's, et cetera, et cetera. It will, it will, it will improve them in the long run. So whether it's financially or it will, it will increase or improve their brand. Now, as to that taking place in, whether it's in the Caribbean or Africa, um, obviously that is a, a massive transition. Um, yeah, That's a transition first and foremost. So let me not necessarily go into the transition. My hope or my thoughts is that I feel if you keep your younger players there, potentially, oh, so the case and scenario with Brazil is that they the the young players generally leave for Europe, but you have a lot of the older players coming back. My thoughts are that if you have a league or certainly two, three teams in a league which are strong and you pair and couple them with another three, four from other countries in that region, you might potentially have a league or competition that is strong enough that people are interested in seeing. But just my thoughts, um, Mm. and I believe it's something that can can take place, but as you mentioned before, you mentioned Jason Robertson, you mentioned John Barnes, and for as long as you haven't got the the support and the, the infrastructure, these things obviously won't grow, and unfortunately they won't um, develop into something which, you know, that can either turn over money or we can all be excited and proud about. Yeah. So, like, if you look at look at African nations, for example, yeah, 
the African nation has been boomed so much now. It's not four years. It's nearly every two years now, isn't it? Yeah. So it's kind of changed that, that, that platform now. So it gets more, vi- more viewers. Perfect. You know, I, I love this fact that the African nations is around because as a black person, that is the closest thing that I get to see visual or black players. So, you know, and a lot of black players, you know, we're not talking about black players who are going through uh, diversities and stuff from Europe with racism and all that. None of that. It's a platform that you see. But from that, I don't know, I couldn't tell you or name you a club unless I play FIFA, football manager, or, or, or gone and look for it myself over there. Do you see what I mean? Maybe one or two I might know, oh, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, I've heard that name. But where am I going to look for this? YouTube? Like, you know, uh, there is an actual platform for me to see these things, you know. And I, I feel like if you go on Sky, you, you know, they've got obviously the Premier League, the Championship, um, BBC's got obviously highlights and they've got the women's game now. Um, if you go on BT alone, they've got the, um, oh yeah, Sky, Sp- Spanish football still on Sky as well. You've got BT's got um, German football, Italian football, um, do you, you know, the French football. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So you've got all these platforms that are showing all these different games in Europe and like you're saying about obviously their money to compete because they get a little bit of fans but not like the Premier League because everyone buys the Premier League. Um, but tell me with the three, I'm not counting US sports, so let's talk about BT and Sky alone. Where their platform for the South American games? Where their platform for the 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 African games? You know, you get MLS now on Sky. MLS on Sky. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's great for them. And don't get me wrong, it's good. Like, I'm glad they're getting an opportunity because, you know, They've done really, America has really worked hard on trying to catch up with the rest of the world. Those are still behind. But where, the, where is Africa? Like, do you know what I mean? Where is that platform? So, my, my thoughts are that, like, I, I mean, I've been watching the MLS very closely as to not necessarily the football, because I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't really watch too much of football. So, I might watch the highlights, but I've definitely watched how they've um, branded their model and improved yeah. obviously in recent times because like, the World Cup is in the States. I think it's in 2026, I believe it is. I think and so, they've yeah. been building towards that for a very, very long time. So I'm going to go back as far as David Beckham going to the MLS. And that is yeah. where, from my point of view anyway, where they really began to make a concerted effort as to brand in their football and bring over names. To the point, now David Beckham obviously owns that MLS franchise in Miami. And he is now yeah. trying to bring over European players. So they've recently brought right. over... Um, Higuain, etc., etc., yeah. and, and they've got his brother as well. He's already playing over there. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they've got his brother. For, I think he was playing at Columbus Cruz, so now he's joined him as well. And he's been in the MLS. I mean, even look at Jafinko. Jafinko, yes, from Juve, they're from 27 years old. He's in the prime of his life. And yeah. he's not, well, I don't think he's a poor player, I think he was quite decent. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, you know, he's going there at a young age, like, yeah. My, I think my point being is, um, or or kind of how I want to sum it is, ultimately I believe there needs to be a level of transition. So you may, we've also discussed the women's game. And the women's game, it didn't just pop out of nowhere. It was a case of momentum. So like, I worked very briefly like running a women's side. And when I was doing so, and I think this was in 2000 and, Jesus Christ, I was going to say 2000 and, 
seven, eight, nine, anyway, in that sort of region. So it's about a good 12 years yeah. ago. So when I was doing that then, women's football was, you can, very few sides. Only literally had a handful of teams to play. And I'd go to Myland and um, I forget the name of the um, the football thing, Street League. I go Street League, we go Street League from West London all the way to um, Myland every week or every other week and play a tournament um, among three or four other sides. So there weren't, there weren't many teams at that, at that time. But fast forward, there's been the Olympics um, that happened in London, where we'll see with the the, uh, the um, Team GB, et cetera, et cetera. And the momentum is slowly, or not even slowly, has, far, uh, you know, has gathered pace. Yeah. Pace. But, but on top of that, again, it, like you said about them, um, Beckham go to LA Galaxy. With that momentum, they had someone who brings in platform. Do you yes. see what I mean? So if you look at the women's game now, um, the platform has grown so much. You know, you had all the likes like Kelly Smith, Rachel Yankee, players like that have been playing drafting, drafting hard. And obviously England have been doing well, the Lionesses and 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 the WSL is starting to grow. And but now you've got like, you know, their Champions League is big now, you know. You've got so many players who are playing abroad, you know, like there's so many now who are playing across Europe. And I feel like they got their infrastructure is a lot better than the sense of some of these other countries going ahead, because I feel like the women's game is just not going to stop here. It's going to grow, 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 grow. But again, it will stop because they haven't got maybe got the right backing. You know who comes into the right backing? If that makes sense. Yeah. Some of these clubs, um, some of these clubs are carrying clubs' names. But they haven't got the backing of the actual main club. Yeah. Or they've got an affiliation with them. Or, you know, they, 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 you know, again, they haven't got the money, you know, the budgets, you know, some of these, these clubs' budgets compared to what is in the male game, what makes it even harder. So if they're struggling with the budget and trying to push with the momentum, how do you think somewhere like um, Zimbabwe or Ghana? Nigeria, their own individual leagues um, are suffering the same way because they haven't got that. But I will say this, you saying if they put all in a league, would it be better that, and I know, I don't want to try and move away from what your topic is, do you think that they're similar, should they follow the similar suit to MLS instead of making them clubs, make them franchises? So um, if, I'm, if, if I'm being very honest, I don't even understand the difference between a franchise and a club. But that might be a whole different other topic, um, yeah. unless you've got the answer for me now. My well, thoughts are gone. Oh, I guess the, 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 what I get the gather with a franchise, with the way the Americans do their franchise, they don't have no relegation. So the franchise is still like the club, but they all kind of work within the league of the league. So they yeah. all get a similar budget. So the budget is all spread evenly, obviously. So certain clubs will get more and whatever. So, you know, if you've done well, you're going to get a little bit more of a cut, but it comes through the budget, not I actually understand. I understand. pay kind of thing. So where, like, we have relegation, if if Liverpool won the league, they'll get the bigger budget because they won the league, but everyone's still getting 2 million, 200 million, but they'll get X amount because they won the league. Whereas a team will get relegated, will get the parachute payment. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe that might be a way, but as you said, that's another topic for another day. I'll look into that franchise thing anyway. But um, I yeah. guess like bringing 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 this question maybe to or 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 maybe maybe summing up 
what I'm looking for by way of response in, in this question is, I feel like the MLS, like women's football, potentially like the European Super League, and potentially like the J League, even the A League in Australia. I feel yeah. if time, um, time and commitment is put into developing a project, I feel at some point you will have a brand and a project, brand and a product, which people will want to see. Very similar to um, football in Brazil and even Argentina. At some point. I think people are interested and fascinated by football in, in Brazil and Argentina, or certainly South America. But unfortunately, they don't have a product to which people can watch thirty-eight league games, thirty-eight yeah. league games a year, because not enough care has been taken of their product and their brand. And as a result, you have a number of players of South African descent, sorry, South American descent, who leave that continent very early to come to Europe because obviously there's a lot more money and there's a lot more exposure. Here, where the brand is, where it needs to be. Yeah, hundred percent. Unless, unless you're already a, a big household kind of name through the young system, like Neymar, you know, all them kind of players. That's the only time you really get the sponsorships, the the, 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 the know abouts and everything else. You know, you know, if we had to ask a kid of the next South American off the cuff, they probably wouldn't know. But if you to ask him from the FIFA or football manager, they will know. Do you see what I mean? That's the only exposure they're really getting. So, I, I, I like you said just a minute ago, if without the infrastructure, I, I can't see it and the momentum. I can't see growth. And maybe that needs to happen, what you were saying earlier. Maybe, you know, you get three of one country, three of one country, make it a North versus South, maybe make it as a Champions League. They have to do something to, to make every Like, the reason why you're so big is not just because of the leagues itself. It's because it's the Champions League. You yeah. get to see all the best teams play against each other. Constantly, year in, year out, you see them again and again. So when you start seeing them, you're like, ah, oh, I follow that team, Bayern Munich. Ah, oh, Juventus. Ah, oh, this. And again, and again, and again, and again. And ask anyone. When I was living in America for about a, a year, you know, everyone, they talk about the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? You know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, the Barclays Premier League, whatever. But Champions League is where it's at. Because that exposure exposes them even further because you're seeing them play to get the best of the best. And if maybe Africa needs to think about that because that would be, you've got enough countries in that continent to do it. They do you actually have I mean? an African Champions League. The problem is, um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to bring it down to two things. A, if you're comparing it against whether it's the, the, um, the UEFA Champions League and the, I think it's called the CAF Champions League. In regards yeah. to quality, obviously, there's there's no comparison. My yeah. thoughts are, yeah, I mean, there's no comparison. Um, I'm sure there, there there must be a way in in which to be able to improve the quality of that competition. And that, again, obviously, that's probably another conversation for another day. Um, yeah. But again, obviously, with, with, with things and projects of that nature by way of improving and increasing your exposure and potentially your revenue, these things take time. Just like kind of like, my next question to kind of like sign up, what have you learned from your roles? Yeah, what have you learned from your roles in terms of lessons and results? From my role in coaching, just lessons and results. Um, so like you're currently or... working in, so like in general, in fact, I'm talking about in general, but I'm probably thinking from a point of view of you working obviously in the women's game 
and in working, obviously, in football in the community. But I am actually talking about in general. Um, I think I've learned a lot of life lessons, I would say. I've learned a lot of life lessons because I've met lots of different people. And um, what comes with my roles and responsibilities, per se, because... Again, from a coaching aspect, and maybe for a player as well. And again, this might answer back towards community, um, private um, academies, and, and main academies. You know, if you've got the right people that you've met in life, yeah, you kind of, you, you kind of get a, you get a, a base, a, a ground, a being like, you get a base where you start from, and then you start willing to learn, and and it comes down to a person, in it if you can, are willing to learn. Um, willing to accept criticism, willing to accept praises and stuff like that. So, like myself, I've learned that, you, you know, everyone you meet is not always exactly how this seems. Um, and I've also learned that football is a very, it's not a low sport in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Whether from a player or a coaching aspect. So, um, you can as easy as you could climb, as easy as you could fall, and um, opportunities could be taken away from you very quickly. But then you walk into another opportunity very quickly. Um, I think it's it's a, not a conveyor belt, but like a, a rotating door. Football's like a rotating door. That's what I would say, because you don't know where you what what where you gonna enter or come out of that rotation of that door. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think you've, you've, you've answered that very well. And I don't want to be not controversial because I think sometimes I can... No, I'm a very optimistic person, but sometimes... No, I think with my... With the things that I've learned... I've un, I, I, Sorry, with the things that I've learned, sometimes the, 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 rhetoric, the rhetoric I spit can be quite pessimistic as to football. So, like... In summary, as to what you said, I think football is the beautiful game, but let's not pretend it is also the dirty game. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's let's not beat around the bush. I mean, it's got its it's got its pros and cons, like anything else. Um, but I think I think with within football, or not even football, sport in general, I would say you kind of learn little different degrees of what 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 your actual sport entails you know if I didn't do coaching I probably I'll probably be blindsided as a fan to know what football's about yeah. you know what I mean where you know I talk to you know yourself as a well doing coaching you know you talk to your mates and there's certain things they say and they're so blase to what is behind the closed doors of a football but you can't really discuss it because you know you've got a club disclosure or you know you, you know you don't want it to come out that somehow it's led somewhere and you, it come back to you about you saying something. So you're kind of like, you know, there's so many times things you can moan about because, you know, it could be down to like lack of equipment or, you know, um, just uh, so many other things. I, I know, you know what you're referring to. I want to do, I'm, I'm not going to change the direction, but I, um, I've, I mean, we've all been involved in WhatsApp groups and all that type of stuff where people having, where people are giving their opinion on a game. Um, and opinions are plenty in football. Yeah. What I found funny, I mean, I was listening to the radio yesterday and they were talking about Pep Guardiola and would they consider his time in England a failure if he failed to win the Champions League? No, if he won the league this year, 
but failed to win the Champions League, would his one, two, three league titles, would he be considered a failure? No. I don't think so. But he's a, he would be a failure to the board because they got in here for the Champions League. Do you see what I mean? Because we, we look, you have to look at it in a different aspect. Now, if we're looking at it as a fan, probably, like you're watching it and you're enjoying it, you'd probably say, unless you're a Man City supporter in that sense, but if you're not, you'd be like, he did well. He's won three titles. He did his job, whatever. Man City fans might have a bit of 50-50, but the board wants this. You know, it depends what he's being hired for. Do you know? My next question. What do you want? No, sorry, I didn't quite finish what I was going to say. In regards to Pep Guardiola, the other thing that I've heard is... Sorry, on top of what I was saying, like, his his mum passed away very recently. And I think yeah. people forget or take into a fact that people are actually humans and people are actually... People and other things actually take place in and around, obviously, their life. You know what, yeah, that's so that's that's a weird thing he's saying that because like obviously that affects so many I mean, it affects people in different ways, isn't it? I mean, like everyone says about how, how unhappy Jose was at Man United and he made it a cloud there and everything. But he was living in a hotel by himself. His wife and family was living in London. You know, um you look at um other players like Xabi Alonso when he couldn't go and see the birth of his child and his relationship broke down with Rafa Benitez, you know, you know, they are humans, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, it's the same thing like coaches as well, you know, you, you're coming in and, you know, you've got your own life problems as well. So, you know, despite you, oh, you should be putting this session on, doing this and doing that, but oh, you're humans. So, again, it's, it, that's the thing about football, isn't it? It's a matter of opinions, isn't it? Next question. Um, what do you want or what do you think the aim and objective for football should be in the next sort of, like, five years? So let me, let me repeat that again. What do you want or what do you think the aim and objective for football should be? But, like, take into consideration places like Africa and maybe the Caribbean. But between now and the next, say, five years. So, obviously, at the moment in time, we discussed obviously the European Super League, yeah. and football is kind of going in that direction. But so, but what do you want for football in the next sort of five years? If we're talking about Africa and Caribbean, I would like 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 more exposure. I really would. In the next five years, it'd be because we're talking. Like, for example, if we're talking about this whole Black Lives Matter things, and I'm not going into it deep or nothing, but these are continents or continent and a region will have black people and we're not giving them enough exposure kind of thing. So it'd be good to see them have more exposure and it'd be good if we can help the infrastructure and progress the game. Because the whole idea of football is to make everyone progress, you know, in some way or, some way or another. And if you want the World Cup, the, the international competitions, the better players, that needs to be across all boards. And I, I generally feel like It'd be great if we can have more of a platform. And it'd be good to see, in the, especially the Caribbean, that it's actually more Caribbean players, not Caribbean descendant players playing for the Caribbean. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, that, that, that's, that's what I see. Because, you know, it'd be great to see a lot more. I mean, don't, I'm not trying to stifle the fact that if you're British-born or wherever you're born and you've got Caribbean players, you shouldn't play for them. I'm not trying to say that, but 
it'd be nice to see that there is more Caribbeans. I mean, the only one that I know who's the high-rated Caribbean player is Dwight York. I mean, I know of other Caribbean players, like Seth John. He he played in the Premier League, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He wasn't. He's not got nothing like Dwight York. Do you see what I mean? You know, you know what I mean. Like if you if you look at look at African players, how many? I mean, how many African players do you know has got Champions League under their belt? There's not many. No. There's not many. No. And that's a continent, and that's not many. But you can name me so many South Americans, so many Europeans. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Of so course. Uh, again, the exposure is not equal. You know, and I feel like we've been left so much in the dirt behind. Do you know what I mean? And we've probably given Europe some of the best gems we had. And we haven't had the same equal platform. No, no, so in five years, five years, it'd be good to see some form of boost of platform or, or, or infrastructure towards it. And based on your experience, what would your advice be as to the steps of maybe football or development in, in Africa or the Caribbean? Again, if if we could take if we had an endless check paycheck, obviously you you you, you upgrade your facilities, and you know you actually upskill your staff, because that probably is one of the main hardest thing, is having the staff to actually go over there. Again, it's not just players who's leaving Africa, the staff is leaving Africa as well. You know, some of these good coaches are going across in Europe and, you know, they might come back, but they're coming back on their own. They're not coming back with anything to support them. Do you know? Yeah. So I think starting from the grassroots, because the grassroots can't be that poor or else they won't be able to turn over. I mean, I know the numbers are large, but they won't be able to turn over a certain amount of players. We could go through Ghana's team, we could go through Nigeria's team alone. How many of them played in top flight Europe? Yeah. So they are doing something right. Most of them have already left at a young, tender age to get the right coaching. So it'd be good if they could, you know, as I said, endless paycheck, upskill their equipment and the facilities and, and upskill the staff and have the right, right to build their own foundation from them. Thank you. It's been, it's been very insightful speaking to you. We've been speaking for a good hour and a half. Um, I know, I know. So I'd like to thank you for your time. It's been very insightful. Um, is there anything you would like to maybe make the public aware of? Or Again, um, the only thing I would say, uh, because I'm part of the women's football, um, if any girls up there who's thinking about, interested in getting in the game, get down to your local club um, in your area. Don't be scared. Obviously, put yourself up there. See where it goes. That's why we ask community clubs are out there to help you to hopefully build your pathway on the further up. And it's not just about the girls. I want to even say that for the boys as well. Keep growing, keep trying to strive to be better. And all the coaches up there, just recognise that the, as much as the pathway looks a bit dodgy and, you know, and it's not looking like it's a clear path, keep striving because there is opportunities. It's just at the right time, the opportunity will come. Cool. Um, that's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories that they unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarneu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarneu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.